Okay, we're good. <laughs> oh, you watch me go. <laughs> what does he uh, say? Hello. What does he say when he's the janitor and they like keep him in profile so you don't know who he is? And he's like, I'm the new janitor. <laughs> it's like, I'm the new, I'm the new janitor. I'm the guy. It's like, yeah, oh, I wonder who that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With his dogs. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Welcome back to the Waffle Press retrospective uh, failed blockbusters season two. We're talking about Ang Lee's Hulk today. Yeah. Uh, cut to Nick Nolte montage. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Nolte. Uh, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matt Garingo. No joke, the Nick Nolte mugshot is exactly how I look right now. Like, I just kind of fell out of bed today. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. So, that's that's a good Halloween costume. Uh, fucking DUI Nick Nolte. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, hey. <laughs> Is Nick Nolte the greatest character actor of the last 30 years? Um, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do like him in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. I, I fucking love him. He's, I love him. Uh, as an actor. 48 as an, Hours. I don't, I don't 48 Hours know. is one of my favorite movies. Um, he's good in Cape Fear where he's like not like, he's, he has that voice and he's not playing <laughs> the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, thin Red Line. Where he's like, I don't, red li- oh, I don't care what yeah. you're going over that hill. Like, or he's like a maniac. Um, and now I don't know what he does. Um, Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah. Oh my. He is in Tropic Thunder. Um, yeah. That's where it's kind of like that's quick. Like, what year is this? Hulk is two thousand three. Tropic uh-huh. Thunder's five years later. So that's like how quickly it went from like Nick Nolte is just like embraces that he's like kind of looks like a crazy homeless man forever now. I mean, who among us? Put them in the shit. I remember <laughs> that in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Uh, all right. Let's talk about Angley's Hulk. Let's talk about Angley's Hulk. When did you first watch Angley's Hulk? I saw Angley's Hulk in the theater when it was released. As did I. As a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, be- what do you remember making of it? Um, I remember, I remember even as a kid understanding that it was very dark. Um... I'm, I, I was still at that age where, like, I basically liked any movie I went to see, but I also definitely got the vibe of, like, you know, like, when you walk out of a movie and, like, everyone's kind of like, woo, like, had a good time? Mm-hmm. Um, I did not have that vibe walking out of Hulk. <laughs> it's kind of similar to, um, again, not my opinion of the movie, but when I walked out of Matrix Revolutions, which is, I believe, the same year, um, 2003, right? Oh, uh, Yeah. I remember the kind of, like, the weird vibe walking out of the theater for both Hulk and Matrix Revolutions, which I will later come to understand that an audience was not into the movie. (laughs) Um, But I, like, I enjoyed it, but it also was one of those where, like, the reason I am there in the theaters is because the year before, a little movie called Spider-Man came out, (laughs) and... uh, I don't know if you remember, but the teaser for Hulk was before Spider-Man. 
I don't remember it's, watching that teaser. I, I've seen since it again. I, is it? I think it was the one where like his eye changes, like when he's looking in the mirror, and then like the house kind of explodes, but you don't see anything. Yeah, I believe that was the one that was shown. I remember that very vividly. Um, what, so you saw it in theaters as well. I did, and I believe it was either opening night or that Friday night. Mm. Uh, oh, you know what? It must have been Friday night then, because they weren't doing the early Thursday shit yet. Yeah. Uh, remember, people, I think people don't remember, but like that was that's like a, a an invention of the last decade. Well, basically. it's all, it's you know why it's an invention of the last decade. So you could have bigger box office. Well, numbers. not just that, but they got rid of midnight screenings. Oh. Because after after the Dark Knight Rises shootout, they stopped doing midnight screenings. So they just that's right. they, they turned it to like late Thursday screenings. So that's what mm-hmm. you go to because because that was the thing that used to be the thing is that if you really wanted to see a movie, you'd go to the midnight screening. And I think you know, and and, and I think uh, Dark Knight Rises was the last time I ever did that. So I remember yeah, that. Same. I remember that changing right after. So. Not to be a downer, but that's that's actually the vibe of this movie, frankly. <laughs> uh, no, I was gonna say, um, but I very vividly remember going with my dad because same, uh, I saw it with uh, my dad too. Yeah, and uh, we were we were pretty excited. I remember the green, all the green Hulk stuff going on are very, very similar to the green Shrek stuff. Yeah, with the t- uh, commercial tie-in. The Hulk hands were invented for this movie. The Hulk hand mm-hmm. toy, and like they're still around, like. I believe it's one of the most successful like tie-in toys of all time, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's yeah. Like here's these Hulk hands to punch your friends with. Now watch this movie about child abuse. <laughs> <laughs> now walking out of the theater, I remember enjoying it or at least being engaged the whole time, not understanding what I had just seen, mm. like the weight of what it was actually about. And I was like, yeah, there wasn't that much action, but I I didn't really look away. And I think I've always kind of liked it. Mm. But I'll never forget. I don't remember if I brought it up in the podcast before. I definitely brought it up to you before. Mm. But I'll never forget walking out of the theater, my, my father not happy, <laughs> uh, very disappointed. And we're walking out of the theater. There's a line around the Montebello AMC, for those that know the area. And everyone with their, their Hulk toys and shit and their drinks and then my father just looks over and says, those poor people. <laughs> it is kind of nuts to like, picture people being like, I got my Hulk t-shirt and the Hulk fucking Slurpee you can get at the 7-Eleven and my Hulk mask for Ang Lee's Hulk. And then you sit down and you watch this fucking movie. Yeah. Like, that is a weird thing to picture. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the part where, where I say, like, you know, I kind of did the, the thing, like, with Batman Returns, where it's like, oh, no, that people don't like that. I'm not supposed to like that one. Mm-hmm. That was a bad movie. This new Hulk with Edward Norton, that's going to be the shit. And then that one's aged like milk yeah. in California this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of go to bat for some stuff in that movie. I don't think it's, it's, it's any good, That's a bad though. movie, but, like, it was one of those movies where I remember watching it and being like, this is bad, but then, like, that last fight does a lot to redeem it. And it's just, The action's pretty good in that it's movie. It's fine. Louis Leterrier is, is a pretty good action. I'm not going to say it's, like, fantastic action, but it's, like, it, it's, it does the opposite of what this movie does, which, like, that movie kind of ends on a high, you know? Of, like, you come out of the theater and be like, fuck yeah, Hulk smash. And, like, this movie... I do remember, though, I remember the one takeaway, because I saw it in theaters, I maybe saw it once later on cable... Um, but like 
for years just didn't watch it and then kind of just knew that like it wasn't very well received um and i do remember though walking out and thinking that the ending was like really cool that like that like epilogue at the end where he's in the rainforest Mm -hmm. and he says uh, in spanish like you won't like me when i'm angry yeah i I remember thinking that was a really cool way to end the movie but Mm -hmm. that was my only real takeaway as a child yeah Uh, so now i'm gonna come out like like dennis in it's always sunny in philadelphia like newsflash assholes i've loved angley's hulk the whole goddamn time (laughs) it is a fucking mess for the first half of it Mm -hmm. i completely concede to that it is it's good it's good material i would argue here's well hold on not to stop your your yeah yeah. but is it a mess for the first half or is it only a mess when you don't know where the story's going like i feel like on rewatch a lot of the messiness of the first half falls into place a lot better but, yes, I still think it's a little sporadic, I guess, is maybe the better yeah, term. I, I, it's just a lot of information told very inventively. Yes. Holy shit. Um, I don't think Ang Lee's ever gotten his credit for like being like a, a, an artist who pushes the medium forward. And I know people dunk on like Gemini Man, my beloved Gemini Man, and mm. Billy Lee's Halftime Walk, uh, which is a mixed bag of a movie, but I think very formally interesting. Um, I think he doesn't get his credit alongside people like Sam Raimi who totally take the language of comic book movies like, yes. stories and transposes them onto the big screen. Mm-hmm. Now is is that always done maybe in in the best uh collaborative sense with the material? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Arguably here. It's a pretty fucking dark script. But it is consistently exciting. It is creatively invigorating. There's so much fucking happening at your eyeballs and ears that it's a little difficult to keep up with sometimes. Uh, yeah, I love this movie, and I, I think it, it deserves a, a Batman Returns-style uh, renaissance. It's- Not as good as Batman Returns, but I think like in the same category of, no, 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 we were all wrong. It feels like, this. though, everyone we know likes it, though. Like, I, yeah, but we're like fucking nerds. I'm trying to talk to the normal. But Batman people. Returns hasn't been redeemed in like the general public eye, either. Mm. Like I, mm-hmm. I think yeah. it, at most that movie's been like reclaimed as like Danny DeVito masterpiece because DeVito's mm-hmm. a meme. Like it's like because I think everyone's kind of in agreement that like yeah, DeVito kind of rules in yeah. Batman Returns. But I, I think I think most people don't even know Ang Lee's Hulk exists, which is what's crazy about it. It has been kind of drowned out, but I also have to say James Gray recently went to bat for Batman Returns. Okay. Because he's got a new film coming out this year, and he's at the Cannes Film Festival, and, you know, of course, he gets asked a superhero question. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think Batman Returns is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes! <laughs> Tell him. Batman Returns is just that thing where it's like, if you can get over the fact that it's not a great Batman movie, <laughs> it's a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it's, it's a great Tim Burton movie. It really is. It is. It's like arguably Tim Burton's best movie. Like you could make yeah. an argument, and I wouldn't totally. complain. But like, it's also like not in the top. It's weird where it's like as as a Batman movie, I'd rank the first Batman higher in terms of a Batman movie. <laughs> hmm. But uh, Batman Returns is the better movie. <laughs> hmm. But that's a whole, that's a whole other. We did a whole series on that. Yeah, link down in the description I below. I played the stinking city like a harp from hell. Uh, 
Man, if only that was enough to sink a political a politician's career. I know, I know. That's like, I, I'm watching the, the new season of The Boys, and I'm really liking the show now. Mm-hmm. And, th- you know, fucking spoilers, but like Homelander's starting to go mask off, asshole. Mm-hmm. And it, like all the white guys are like, yeah, he's right! And it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what yeah. fucking happened. Hey, at least they, they, at least they understand that. Like, No, the, it, that show, I, I think, is much more insightful now than it was when it started. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's very good. That's all I'll say. I think they've had that's that, another conversation. I think they had that thing where like the alt right kind of embraced Homelander like really early on, that kind of like made them like shift. Like they're like, oh, we got to be less subtle <laughs> and more direct mm-hmm. with our message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, that show's really impressed me with how much it's grown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, much like the Hulk impresses me. Yeah, yeah. No, the Hulk is it is it's a great movie. I'm not gonna like I don't know when I came around on it though. I must have like revisited it, um, and I ended up really enjoying it. But also in a, like, they just would never make this movie type of way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's that thing of, like, there is such, like, he packs such a punch with the visual visual language of this movie. Like, every shot is, like, max maximum visual language. Which I think is him trying to tap into the old Marvel style in the way that Raimi tried to tap into the Marvel style, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I I think he understood that in a way. It's like the only other movie I can think about where like every shot like is as informative as every shot as the Hulk is like fucking Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Like, that's a movie that like is oddly similar to Hulk for me. Um, But yeah, it's it's one where it's it's one where like I love it, but you also totally understand why like it kind of didn't play with the general public. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe if we lived in a society that cared about art, it would have done better, but we don't. So, <laughs> um, yeah, wild. It's a, it's just a wild movie. Uh, we should talk about yeah, how... Yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, this is a, a full-on recommendation, I think, for both of us. You should go um, check it out before we spoil anything. Yeah. Um, if you can, you know, it's totally worth it. Um, The only, the other hang-up that I think people have is that uh, the Hulk doesn't look great. Um, the, uh, oddly, like, the skin, the green skin of the Hulk is, like, really green, which I think is a choice, like, that's not a mistake, I think that's what Lee was going for, he's Mm -hmm. like, I want it to be, like, uncomfortably green, which I'm like, alright, cool, like, this is just, like, we don't understand flesh tones yet, you know, like, it's early, like, ILM, I think, did it, Yes, and I think this is ILM trying to catch up with, like, the golem of it all, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. This is that weird era where, like, there's that boom of CGI, like, after um, Jurassic Park, right? That people are like, we can still Mm -hmm. do everything. And then it becomes very clear that, like, no, you can't. But around the early 2000s, it's like, okay, you can do, like, like landscapes. You can do, like, uh, like, the elements. You can do snow. You can do rain. You can do, like, big explosions. You can do buildings and stuff like that. But we can't, we still can't do people right like mm-hmm. that's the thing we still can't really do with cgi and hulk is one of those weird like i always think of like you can think of hulk Gollum is like the best looking thing from this era right um mm-hmm. you think of the big burly brawl scene in matrix reloaded also same year um and you, you know like how like that's just like it's just cg you know like yeah yeah uh i also think of pirates of the caribbean which they get a lot of leeway because they're like undead uh, pirate guys in it, right? But mm-hmm. it's you know it's aged. It, ha- it hasn't aged perfectly. Um, 
it's it get away with it because it's kind of stylized whereas the hulk visually i understand that being a hang up for people with this and what's weird is that his pants actually look worse than the skin <laughs> yeah the, i actually kind of like the look of the hulk in this I like, the pants look awful yeah, i like it in the way that like i wasn't i was like i was always like you know how you watch an old movie with stop motion effects and it's like yeah it doesn't look real but it's got a charm to it mm-hmm. i think early cgi is starting to get that charm where it's like yes it doesn't look real but there's something kind of charming about how it doesn't look real yeah um, i also remember a critic from back in the day like one of the early internet critics who was reviewing uh the incredible hulk the 2008 film and he was like, I know a bunch of you guys are going to start coming in here being like, the Hulk still looks fake. And I'm like, well, you know why the Hulk looks fake? Because he is fake, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> and I remember that being a take, and I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Like, <laughs> And so I can understand like people kind of being like, "It's he looks like a cartoon. But like, I that's never a hang-up for me with movies. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, I'm always like, if, you're, if you come out of a movie complaining about the special effects, uh, the movie itself probably wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I was the one person, I guess, and I'm going to sound like an insane person probably, but I finally watched that She-Hulk, tra- she- She-Hulk trailer, and I'm not saying like it looked good, but I also was like, I don't get why everyone's that angry about this. <laughs> I'll be honest. like I'm not going to sit here and say it looked good. I just didn't understand why everyone came out of it being like, oh my god. I don't know. I thought it looked pretty bad. Uh, yeah, but like, I'm not, I'm like, whatever. Like, She-Hulk's not real. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, like if the show's good, I could, like, live with it, but I'm also probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. I, like, I, I just haven't kept up with any of those shows, you know, so. But it's, it's you know, it was that thing of, like, I, I guess the original Sonic design looked really bad. Like, that's, like, the most notable thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I don't know. I, I don't get, I don't care. I, I, I don't care about that as much. And I get annoyed when it's, like, such a, a talking point, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm someone where it's, like, I want movies to look faker. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like, how there's that guy, there's that joke where it's, like, I want games with worse graphics, and I'm not joking. You ever see that post that goes around? <laughs> like, yes. Originally? Like, I am 100% that guy, but also for movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, like, I want movies to look faker than they do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I we've definitely talked about this before, too, but, like, I totally am in agreement. Like, I, I don't want movies or people trying to make movies that look like, at the very least, like, uh, quote-unquote professional and, like, lit properly. Like, I don't if, – if you're starting out, I don't really care how your stuff looks. I want you to, like, push what – like, like your boundaries. I want to yeah. see you get, like – fucking excited about making something you know i, I want see, your movies to kind of look like shit basically i want to see every dollar on the screen now yeah. that means if your budget is 200 million i'm going to expect a different thing than if your budget is five thousand dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah that's course. really what it comes down to and but, like also just like visually this is t- ties back into the hulk as well like don't be afraid to like change up the look not just like in terms of your on-set lighting and production and and the mm. uh, costumes and and all that shit and art design, but like in posts, like light for this, but like don't worry about making your stuff look radically different. Yeah. You know, like I I just watched uh, we're all going to the world's fair, mm-hmm. and like you know it's 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 an intentionally like lo-fi movie, mm. 
And I think it looks terrific because that's what that's going for. If that looked like uh, another fucking Conjuring movie, I I probably wouldn't have vibed with it. But it's kind of a five star movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also much cheaper than every Conjuring movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's also I I get annoyed that like we put realism up on a pedestal, you know. Yeah, which, I fucking hate which that. Which I think is just that it's a testament to, like, the shallowness of criticism online, you know? Mm-hmm. That we're like, what's a good movie? Realism is good, so a good movie is realistic. Therefore, re- good effect, realistic effects are good special effects. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm definitely, like, I'm just, like, outwardly rejecting that. Yeah. And there's probably more of a conversation to be had there. Mm-hmm. But, like, my starting point now is just like, no, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how realistic you are. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's the story you're telling? Let, let's start yeah. there, at least. It's like, you know those, like, Asylum movies? Mm-hmm. It's like, the problem with those Asylum movies for me is not that they look incredibly fake. The problem is that, like, 90% of those movies are, like, on a submarine or something, like... Yeah. And nothing they, happens. they're filmed in five days and cost 50... Like, no, not even $50,000. Yeah. Probably less. Yeah, probably a lot less. And it's like, to me, it's like... Spend a couple extra bucks to, like, actually have these people run away from a fake-looking CGI monster or something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But hey, um, Hulk. Hey, we should talk about Hulk. The, we should talk about the fact that. Uh, All right. Uh, hold on. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> what happened? Mm-hmm. We we're, we both started going somewhere. Yeah. You go. You go. Uh, I was gonna say we should talk about uh, the fact that both our fathers thought to go take to take us to these movies. Yes. Because we're around the same age, right? So yes. Uh. That means in the year 2003, we are not going to see movies. We are brought to movies <laughs> by yes. our parents. And that is because, uh, this is something that people probably, just younger people would not understand, is that in the year 2003, if you had to make a Mount Rushmore of superheroes, the Hulk would be on it. You know what? I never thought about that. That's kind of true. In 2003, the superheroes that your that you know, that your father knows, and that your grandfather knows. I think there's only 5. And I think those 5 are Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, and the Hulk. Mm-hmm. I think those are the 5. And what do four of those five have in common? They're men. No, actually. I wasn't even going to say that. But that is one okay. of them. <laughs> okay, well, what do they have in common? Four of them, including the one woman, four of them had TV shows. Oh, pfft. yes, of course. I think Spider-Man had a TV show, but it wasn't like as big. But everyone knows the Spider-Man theme song. So, yeah. I guess he had the cartoon. The, the cartoons, and, I mean, Spider-Man's kind of just, like, the perfect superhero, like, mm. design and and character. Like, you get mm. the, the whole character story with his, like, origin, yeah. but, you know? But here's the thing. Those four TV shows have more of an influence on what superheroes are by the year 2003 than anything else. Because mm-hmm. the, the visual language of superhero films are those... Four TV shows. It's the Superman flying. It's the, you know, the bam pow of Batman. <laughs> Everyone in 2003 knows that when 
when someone is spinning around, they're turning into their superhero costume like Wonder Woman. And then everyone knows, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Everyone in 2003 knows that. If you were alive in 2003, you knew that. Mm-hmm. And it, you didn't even have to see those shows. It just that That's how deep into our culture they were. And I think that's something that is just forgotten now. Yeah, I think the slurry of like nonstop superhero like media is is it's almost drowned out like the actual cultural conversations about them yeah, in a yeah. way. And like you know? what like who well it's one of these things where like I'm wondering what kids are gonna be like. I feel like Spider Man is still on the Mount Rushmore, right? I feel like Spider Man mm-hmm. might just be the immortal guy, right? Yeah. Maybe Batman. I, I would argue Batman. I think Batman. Everyone else, I think, is kind of up for grabs now. Yeah, and I think it's like, and then it might be Iron Man is on there, you know? I think Iron Man's the other one. And I guess that might be, it's, and then it's like, yeah, I, I don't know who is the the fourth one in terms of the, like, recent wave of superheroes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it might be Captain America. It might be Captain America. I'm not positive though, and so so it's back to just four dudes. <laughs> Apologies to Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean it's the thing of like Wonder Woman. It's it was that thing of like why it was so ridiculous it took that long to get a Wonder Woman movie made. Because I would argue in 2003 Wonder Woman is as popular as the Hulk, you know, mm-hmm. and they totally could have made a Wonder Woman movie in 2003, and it was just like it, that was like pure sexism stopping that. And then by the time we Speaking finally Speaking of sexism, don't forget who almost wrote that movie. Oh yeah. Well that's yeah. A, that's a whole yeah, I guess two thousand three it would have been the Joss Whedon Wonder Woman, which would have been bad. But uh but yeah, it's you know, it's by the time Wonder Woman comes around in two thousand seventeen, it's like also it's not her first it's not her first uh cinematic appearance. They had to do a cameo in BVS. And by then it's like it's a little like it's a little late, you know, and mm-hmm. I like that first Wonder Woman movie for what it is, and it's but it's it's kind of sad that Wonder Wonder Woman I feel like should have gotten that moment that all those other superheroes got because all of them Superman, Batman, uh, Hulk, and Spider Man all have these examples of pre MCU pre shared universe bullshit, you know, yeah. Where it's like now if you're going to bring a superhero to the big screen, you have to tie it into the shared universe. And that's what makes like something like the Hulk, the Raimi Spider-Man, the Burton Schumacher Batmans, and the original Superman series, like these weird like objects now, because they are they they are these before times, and they kind of reflect like how we've how our opinions of superhero have changed, and something that just might never change again, because like everything is like this weird slurry now. Mm-hmm. So we talk about who else worked on this film before Ang Lee. We should, I guess, because it's it's also weird where it's like I think the last Hulk TV movie is in like two thousand is in like nineteen ninety two. Really? Yeah, oh, it, shit. it's one of those things that like went on forever. Let me check real quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. the death of the Incredible Hulk, which was nineteen ninety. Whoa. Um. Yeah. Does he die? I don't know. I've never seen it. I, okay. I've seen the trial of the Incredible Hulk, which is one of those like crazy things where like Daredevil is technically in it. Oh yeah, like Matt, I heard about that. Matt Murdock is his lawyer, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, Bill Bixby also like passes away like shortly after that, mm. um, which is something I didn't even know. Like I was, it was so weird where I was like, uh, I was like, why didn't Bill Bixby have a cameo in uh, this movie? And I'm like, oh, he had passed away in like '93. Like, that's kind of wild. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so but like the moment that thing airs, it's like okay, we got to make a Hulk movie now. Like now we have to actually do a real Hulk movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, went through a few people with like Gail and her Naviarod, like behind the scenes trying to get it done, right? Yeah. Um, Michael France, the screenwriter, and Stan Lee were like the first people, apart from Aviarod and Gail and Hurd, mm-hmm. uh, to like be even invited to the Universal like studios mm-hmm. and and like try to pitch their movie. And um, uh, John Turman who was a, a whole comic book fan came in to write the scripts and even Stan Lee liked it. And this was a uh, really inspired by like the tales to astonish stuff, which I'm not overtly familiar with. I just know like of the title and well, you know, the birth of Ant-Man through them and stuff yeah, well, like Tim, that. It's, I guess that's something that we should talk about with like Hulk is this as a character is a weird, like, uh, like, uh, what's, what's like a missing link between the old Marvel comics and the new, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because at this point, Marvel is, like, you know, they ha- they have, like, Tales to Astonish, uh, Journey into Mystery, shit like that, right? Um, yeah. Like, and it, go look at those covers, like, right now. They're all monster stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're all like, yeah. oh, a man was struck by lightning and he just turned into a monster. And shit happens. And Hulk is, like, the last version of that, but they tried to do him as his own series. It's like the Incredible Hulk. Unlike a lot of Marvel characters, the first appearance of the Hulk is Incredible Hulk number one, right? And mm-hmm. then he jumps over to Tales from Aston- to Astonish. And I think people forget Hulk is canceled after six issues. Like I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, uh, and it's this weird one where Jack Kirby does the first five issues, and then Steve Ditko does the last one. And yeah, it's it's a weird like I think it's one of the few characters where there's like a lot of Ditko and Kirby working on the character at the same time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that. All he is this weird thing where people like didn't like the character initially because he kind of was seen as just a monster, you know. And I believe mm-hmm. and we talked about that in the Spider-Man episodes, yeah. where like, you know, Marvel stuff is really it leans much more into like the science fiction monster movie stuff than the DC stuff. Not to say that that's not prevalent there too, but it's like it's a different vibe. It's a different like storytelling almost. And I think it says a lot that this is a universal movie. I think it's like the Hulk as a character is very much like a universal monster type character. You mm-hmm. know, like he's a Jekyll and yeah. Hyde type. And I, I and I watching the movie that doesn't feel lost on Ang Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But Incredible Hulk is also like you know like the Hulk he was gray when he started. Yeah, he's gray, and I believe those first six issues, and then in Tales to Astonish they made him green, probably to like make him stand out a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's got it's it's a weird. Uh, I think it's just something where like no one knew what. It's weird that the Hulk is like the one that takes off, and it's because of the TV series. And the TV series is kind of like a Bionic Man type show, you know, where it's like mm-hmm. he walks into a different town every week and has to fight people. Like, <laughs> it is kind of crazy that how many episodes of that show are there? Let me check real quick. Um, 
78 to 82, there are 80 episodes. So that means they found 80 excuses <laughs> for Dr. David Banner, which is mm. his name in the uh, in the show, not Bruce Banner. I don't know why, um, but they found an excuse for him to get angry 80 times. <laughs> but also, did you notice, so it's Eric Banner is Bruce Banner in this movie, but his father, played by Nick Nolte, is David Banner. I did catch that. So I wonder if that's a reference to the show. Like I think so, um, because even uh, Lou Ferrigno has a, Lou Ferrigno, a voiceless cameo. Isn't he? Is it's him? He's walking out with what's his name, right? Stanley. Yeah, it's like we gotta tighten up security around here. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know what? That's not even a pointless cameo because they're right. Because his fucking Bruce Banner's father. Is, is sneaking into the building and, and causing problems. And they were doing... Lou Ferrigno was the voice of the Hulk in the MCU for a while. Like, for the first, like, few appearances, they still had Lou Ferrigno doing the voice of the Hulk. I forgot about that. Yeah. Now now it's just the Mark Ruffalo voice yeah, stuff, it, right? Honestly, the right choice, because Lou Ferrigno was, is, like, not the best at delivering dialogue, but... Uh, uh, no, no, yeah. yeah. God bless you, Lou Ferrigno, but, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I was just bringing that up because it's just, there's a weird, and again, it's also, think about the Hulk TV show goes on for a while. I, I don't think he fights any of the villains from the comics on the whole TV show. That probably costs too much money. No, but no, but like you could have maybe like had a guy show up like, like the Floronic man in like DC, like is somehow the guy in Batman and Robin, you know, like oh yeah, you could have just had the name, like you could have brought yeah, the, I guess you could have brought the leader in. He didn't have to look like the leader. Everyone wants to bring the leader in, yeah, because he is kind of like the Hulk villain. He he's a fantastic like Marvel villain. Mm. I would love to see him. I just think it's funny that like everyone knows you have to like get there at some point, and no one's been able to do it. Well, part of it is that Universal still owns the rights to Hulk movies. Yes, and they will not collaborate with uh, the MCU. We'll see if that changes with the way they're cashing in in, like, Spider-Man right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You think they'll pull it, like, you gotta do, like, Into the Hulkiverse or something. <laughs> and it's like, we bring in Eric Bana and fucking, uh, what's his fuck? And, um... Edward Norton? Edward I Norton. don't think Edward Norton is allowed back. Yeah, Edward Norton. Well, I... <laughs> I think he has. He's angry with them, so maybe it's more he doesn't want to come back. But yeah, um, I don't know anything for certain, but I'm gonna guess the feelings a little mutual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. But but Eric Bana. I just want to say also before I go over uh, another brief history of some other people who worked on this because there was a lot of yeah, money yeah. spent in pre-production that just didn't happen. Um, I think Eric Bana is really good in this. He's really good in this. He's he's given a weird take on Bruce Banner to play, and I think he he does a good job. Yeah, um, it's it's a very different type of like nerd. Is like is a dude who's like succumb, like won't allow himself to like be open with emotions yeah, at a, all. And a, it's like he's like an emotional cipher, like which is like actually this movie kind of does the thing I I talked to you about how I kind of wanted to, I've always wanted the superhero movie Superman movies to do, which uh, is Betty Ross is almost the main character for like the first half of this movie. Yeah, and I've always wanted like I was like if you do a Superman movie, make Lois Lane the main character, like just do that. It would work. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, and I, I I get where it's like 
people don't like people came out of this movie like probably being like what the fuck was I even supposed to feel in that movie and it's like this is a yeah because like Bruce Banner's like a broken dude in this you know like mm-hmm. I don't know it is it's a wild choice okay I, I do want to talk just slightly more about the production stuff but since you brought her up what do you think of Jennifer Connelly oh, I love her but I love Jennifer Connelly in like everything yeah like, uh, she's terrific in this yeah. I I've I fell madly in love with her again watching this. <laughs> like, like, okay, she, she's a beautiful woman, but, like, she gives an incredibly good performance. Fuck that shit. And I fell madly in love with her again just seeing her in Top Gun Maverick, for fuck's sake. I still haven't seen it at the time of this recording. That movie's so. bad, but it was, like, nice to see Is, her. You're the first person on planet Earth who has said that. Um, whatever. Look, the... the Sorry, the, I didn't want to get into the whole the thing. I don't know. The jet stuff's fine. Like, it's that stuff looks great. It's, like... It's... And people are like, I'm like, it's it's military propaganda. I think everyone knew that, right? Like, like it, it's just unavoidable it's with American unavoidable. blockbusters right now. And that's not a defense of it. I haven't seen it. I'm just yeah. saying it's Here's kind the thing. of a there, problem. There are plenty of movies that are military propaganda. I don't think there's enough in Top Gun Maverick to make me overlook the propaganda. Mm-hmm. But that's a, it seems to be a personal take because a lot of people are coming out of it having a good time. Mm-hmm. I also described it as having a Pixar plot where, like, the moment you meet all the characters, like, you know exactly how their arcs are going to end. Oh, okay. So, I mean. But, hey, they have arcs. I, I could take that. If I like the movie, that's probably going to be why. Yeah. Although I am, I've been a day one Joseph Kaczynski head. Mm-hmm. So, just, I know that going into. There's a good chance I'm going to like it. I walked into that movie not knowing Joseph Kaczynski directed it. <laughs> oh, okay. I could have sworn Christian McQuarrie was directing it. <laughs> no, he's busy on the the Mission Impossible. I know, but movies. I was like, he, I was like, oh, he took a detour, like to do Top Gun, <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched the movie, and I was like, oh, he didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on me, though. That was a yeah. weird little like, oh, okay. Um, Jennifer Connelly's great. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I she. I, I don't know if she wanted to take a step back or if she's having trouble finding roles. Or if Hollywood she wanted to take just a step back, sucks. More more power to her if that was her choice. I've I'm just hesitant to believe that. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're right. Hollywood fucking sucks when women get older. Mm-hmm. It sucks for a lot of reasons, but it's like oh, you're over thirty. Oh, I totally forgot. She's the voice of Spider Man Sue in Homecoming. In Homecoming and the good one, yeah. Which is something they just abandoned. Yeah. How can I, you ab- I mean I'm fine with that element. Which, how can you abandon a Jennifer Connolly voice suit? Did they get rid of the voice entirely? Does that suit talk ever again? It doesn't talk ever again. It's just a uh, robot suit and I hate it so much. You know why they I hate got- I hate the fucking suit. The oh, fucking- and the, the suit's name's Karen. I forgot that. I forgot he called her Karen. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um no, I like I like the homecoming suit. I hate the fucking metal robot suit in the the sequels and Infinity War and Endgame. And you know you could probably I do fucking so- hate that suit. You know you could probably do something really interesting with uh, a, a male Spider Man in a suit with a woman's voice. You could probably do something with that thematically right now. <laughs> you, you know, you saying that is probably the reason they cut that's that what out. i'm saying <laughs> yeah they're like no we can't have people reading into our movies we can't even have like something subtly be there i know i know that's why eternals fucking rock the world yeah 
I'm not going to give it that much credit, but it was nice that they actually, no, no. Had, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. actually had a gay family that like wasn't just like a background detail. Yeah. Oh, and she's a yeah, she's an Alita battle angel. Um, oh yeah, oh her favorite movie. Yes, um, uh, I say oh because I remember she is not going to be in the sequel if it ever happens. Yeah. You know what though? That was like such a weird thing they did with her character that they could totally find a way to bring her back if they did a sequel. I would like that. But who, that, I would like that, that movie's not getting a sequel. Like Robert Rodriguez fucking manipulating the Disney system to get what he wants. He, I think he could do it. He better be. He better like know. and uh and speaking of Edward Norton, I mean <laughs> he's at no. the end of that fucking thing is Nova. <laughs> yeah. Did you read yeah. did that thing get you to read the uh the comics? The manga, I mean? Uh no, should, I haven't yet. You check it out. Check it out if you can get it, because I think they finally did a new printing. Because for a while it was really hard to get a hold of uh the original run of uh battle angel alita um so if you should get it before it becomes hard again <laughs> okay okay yeah yeah i'll, I'll track I, it down i literally i have it on my shelf and it's like like three different publishers published like a nine volume series so it's like different <laughs> like they look totally different from each other oh okay um, okay but it was worth it because it's like great um it's one of the best because it's only nine volumes too so it's not like an endless runner so <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, Jennifer Connelly's terrific. Uh, some backtracking just really quick because I, I want a lot forget? of stuff I'm about to mention Here's... will pop up in future Hulk appearances. Here's the thing, though. How did we forget to put not just Alita Battle Angel on the list, but Dark City, which she's in, and the Rocketeer? <laughs> we could save those bullets. Just for, for everyone listening, uh, we have basically our season planned out. Mm. We might have added a little. We might too have much. added. We might have yeah, terms, we keep uh, we adding stuff. Um, but if it doesn't get to, we don't get to it this season. It will. It will be in a future mm-hmm. season because uh, this is a fun series. I guess but, next okay. season will be the failed blockbuster and Jennifer Connelly retrospective. I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> um, no one will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they All do, right. we're gonna uh, we're gonna find them and teach If them a you complain about Jennifer Connelly, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to show up in your walls. <laughs> well, that, not sure if that's the place you want to be to get revenge. Well, I'm going to pop out of the walls and they're sleeping like fucking Freddy Krueger. Yeah. All right. Uh, John Turman wrote 10 drafts and also, like everyone else, pits the Hulk against General Ross, which is obviously what you do. He's the one who wants to, to introduce the leader first. Uh, Rick Jones was going to be involved. Mm. Uh, Brian Banner was going to be the explanation for Bruce's anger, which, you know, does happen in this movie as well, even though it's David Banner. Uh, Universal wasn't really happy I with that. I think Universal was like, they kept wanting the Hulk to fight, like, terrorists, I remember reading. Yeah, they, they wanted that, and then people were like, what the fuck? What the What's this weird, about? it's this weird era where they're like, uh, people, like, you'll, you'll write a, con- you'll write a, you know, a superhero script and be like, oh yeah, and they brought in, uh, the, the leader, he's a villain from the comics. And the studio's like, the fuck are you doing bringing in another one of these goofy characters? Mm-hmm. Just have him punch something else. I, I mean, uh, another one of our boys, Liam O'Donnell, from Beyond Skyline, uh, your beloved AVPR, yep. talks at length about the, the troubles of AVPR production mm-hmm. because they were constantly fighting about, like, you know, well, the fans, I think, would really appreciate, like, the Pred Alien being in the rest of the movie. He's only in the first five pages of the script. What are you guys thinking? And they're like... Well, you know, we don't want it to be too silly. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking? It's Alien versus Predator. What do you want? So wait, who was, <laughs> like, who didn't want it to be too silly? 
uh, the Fox executives. They were like, That's well, true. we don't really care what the fans want. And, like, look, the fans have everything they want now, and it's obnoxious. Yeah. There is something to delivering well, the story that, you know, you're you're, you're hired to tell. Isn't, isn't <laughs> like, the Fox, the guy who's the head of Fox at that time is the one who has that quote where they were like, I think it was about X-Men 3. They're like, uh, so what is what is in this that, like, the fans could look forward to? And he had a quote where it's like, why would we make this for the fans? We already have their money. Like, that was the quote he gave. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible quote. I do kind of love it. Not for the reasons he said I mean, it. Look, that guy sounds culture, like an asshole. Their culture has <laughs> changed in a way, like, but it is kind of Yeah, like, like I'm not going to say based Tom Rothman, because mm-hmm. why would I do that? But, like, that quote, like, it's so changed culturally that I kind of love it in a vacuum, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? There's a there's a happy medium between like overly like devoted to the fans and zero fan service like that. yeah you know like uh, Matt Reeves who just did the Batman I listened to his commentary uh, which is terrific by the way I highly recommend it even if you don't like that movie it's worth checking out uh, the commentary track for it uh, and he was talking about like well I needed uh, a Batman car chase uh, a bat car chase because that's what the, the the Batman like films are are so like uh, compelling you know like action wise and he goes into a whole tangent about it. But, you know, he finds a way to, like, marry it with, like, character, like, direction and story mm. momentum. Um, and so it's, like, I'm sure he didn't just put it in there just for fans. I don't think he's that type of filmmaker, frankly. But there is something to that, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't have to reject joy from these stories well, I'm watching either. I don't think it's wrong that if you're sitting down adapting a comic book character meant for children... As an adult being like, well, what is it about this character I liked as a child, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, the Batmobile. I, w- I should do something fun with the Batmobile. I don't think that's a wrong way to approach it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the opposite of, of like, cynicism, I think. Yeah, I the, think there's, like, almost a, a sort of purity to that kind of, like, enjoyment. The, the, the cynical version is, like, throwing venom in the Spider-Man 3 because it'll sell more toys. Yeah. Right? That's the cynical version of it. Uh, yeah. But I was thinking, it's like, you know, like, we, because like, the thing you keep seeing, we'll talk more about it, but, like, there's a real push to have the Hulk, like, fight either, like, other monsters or, like, terrorists, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this weird, like, right thing about how we had, how, or how many Superman films do we have at this point? We we have six, six Superman films, like, and we're not going to count Justice League. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not counting BVS or Justice League, and that's not even saying they're not sequels or anything ridiculous. I'm just saying straight up solo Superman movies. Yeah. We have six. Not a one of them has Brainiac in it. Like, and I'm not saying, like, you gotta do Brainiac. Like, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm just saying, like, it seems weird that you're not, like, the superhero should fight a super villain. And it's like, what do you got this time? It's like, I don't know, we got Richard Pryor. <laughs> and it's like, what about Nuclear Man? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's it's a weird baffling way they used to make, not just super movies, because I also, reading the development, it does read very similar to the weird development cycle that the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes film did. Like mm-hmm. the 10-year run-up it took to get it, where it basically turns into like, whoever comes in the room with a pitch next gets the movie. <laughs> yeah. And Planet of the Apes, they had Burt in and here they had Ang Lee. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was just checking something. 
So some, some quick little bullet points of other other things that popped up. Joe Johnston was attached at one point. Mm. Uh, Jonathan Hensley uh, became the co-producer. He is the husband of uh, Gail Ann Hurd. At the time, and, I uh, He rewrote the script uh, because people were really happy with his work on Joe Johnston's Jumanji. So they, you know, they were working out. And then Johnston drops out of directing in, like, july of 1997 and he ends up doing october sky which i remember being a very sweet little film <laughs> haven't seen it in the years but i remember that laura dern's great um, isn't it? all right i i'm a joe johnston fan it's a bummer his career like just kind of fizzled out at the end yeah uh even though i believe your quote from last time was <laughs> joe johnston looks angry in his wikipedia picture <laughs> which is true um don't know anything about the man but the that's that's quite the face he's got yep uh <laughs> And then Hensley convinces Universal to um, let him direct the Hulk. This will be his feature debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Penn would uh, rewrite that script. There would be... His uh, script had the Hulk fight sharks. <laughs> uh, yeah, a school of sharks, mind you. That's wild. And then, this is this is the, the most interesting part to me. Uh, moments where Dr. Banner realizes he can't have sex without triggering the Hulk. Hmm. And then that a sequence that was like big in superheroes in the nineties. Mm-hmm. The like weird like I can't have sex because of my powers. Yeah, that's a fuck. That's weird. That was there, weird. There's a lot to read into that. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a sequence with um, uh, Banner transforming by falling out of a helicopter. Yeah, which both they... of those scenes are in the 2008 film mm-hmm. because Zach Penn wrote that one too. Yeah. And the helicopter thing they, like, repeated, like, twice. Oh, they do it in Thor Ragnarok, they but do it's it, not a helicopter, they it's do a space it in thingy. Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. Wait, do they? Yeah, no. uh, Black Widow pushes them out of the thing. No, no, he, they're just in the hole. No, but I, I thought they pushed him out of a helicopter. I no, no, she pushes him. Whatever, uh, that movie sucks. So it doesn't. It's unfortunately matter. very interesting. It's a very even though bad the movie. person who created it is a monster. A waste of time. Anyways, the Hulk stuff I find very fascinating, and uh, we're gonna continue. Um, you think a monster could at least make a better monster movie? <laughs> <laughs> Hensley would rewrite from scratch after the Zach Penn drafts, uh, and then it would it was gonna involve Bruce Banner of uh, fighting like irradiated convicts who would look like insect yeah, men. Yeah, they, they would be bug men. <laughs> bug men. I like... This keeps popping up in the Marvel stuff that's happened with the Spider-Man movie that didn't get made either. And it's like, I kind of just want to see someone put bug men in something at this point. Yeah. Not because it, it's like interesting. I just want to see it. It keeps popping up. It's going to happen at some Mantis point. Mantis is kind of a bug. Yeah, but I don't want to see her get hurt. <laughs> like, I want to see like these monster men like explode or something. <laughs> Like, I'm talking, like, just fucking trash, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, put it in, like, the Blade movie or something. Have them cut up, like, vampire bugs. Why not? They won't do that, but... Why not? Yeah. Uh, oh, and then Abrams wrote a, a draft at one point. It, a lot of people... I can keep going with this. There's, like, uh, a bunch of shit. Michael France uh, also pops back up again. It's weird how much Abrams, stuff. like, pops up on things in the 90s. Like we well, kind of got to start almost like as a script doctor. Yeah, you know? makes me makes me wonder about the guy a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, nepotism, baby. I but, guess. Yeah. 
there was a point in time where when he was writing smaller stuff uh like joyride and that's like a, a really punchy script just a oh. quick 90 minutes kind of fizzles out at the end but like that's a fun it's also movie. him doing his the trick he will continue to do which is be like i'm just gonna do my version of duel <laughs> yes and hey that's and not a bad idea do your version no, of duel. it's great yeah more people should do that frankly uh but yeah i don't know he's weird guy i hope he makes a good movie again Anyways, now we're at Angley. Let's just let's just fucking keep going. Mm. Oh, and for those that have played Metal Gear Solid, Snake Pliskin. No, is that his name? <laughs> no, Solid Snake. Snake. Solid Snake. Naked oh, Snake. <laughs> <laughs> Solid Snake himself, David Hayter. Solid Naked Snake. Solid Naked Snake. Yeah, I don't know these people. I never played the games. I just find Hideo Kojima. I haven't really played the games either, but I know what the fuck's up. <laughs> like... Well, look, I know he's based off Snake Plissken to the point where it's just a rip off, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You're gonna rip anyone off. You rip off Snake Plissken and John Carpenter. Um, but David Hayter did a did a rewrite of that, and he he actually did a lot of rewriting I in the early two thousands. Michael Tolkien, the writer of the fucking player. <laughs> yeah, talented people worked on this movie. Yeah. That's why it's so good. Oh, uh, this is the last thing I'll mention. We just talk about the movie as a whole. Uh, Haters Draft featured characters like the leader again, Zax, and the Absorbing Man. And, and those people, uh, minus the leader, like appear as uh, David Banner in this, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, they kind of gave him like the Absorbing Man and the other guy. Like They kind of just merged them. Yeah, um, they were going to appear as Banner's colleagues instead, and they would have been, like, in the same accident yeah. that activates the Hulk. You know, it wouldn't have been, like, a, a, a childhood trauma represented through science like this one. It would have just been, like, traditional monster movie flair, which is fine, you know. But uh, I, th- I think this version is much more interesting. And then Lee would go on, Ang Lee, that is, would go on to cite influences from... King Kong, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde, Beauty and the Beast, Faust, the F.W. Murnau film Faust, and Greek mythology. Yeah, like, which is, I believe, how he also pitched it to uh, Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Either Greek mythology or like Shakespeare. Well, he said he said it was like a Greek tragedy. Like was his uh, that's the word I've, I saw Angley use a few times. He's yeah. kind of right. I yeah. totally get it. Yeah, makes hundred. So, they, like, this movie goes through this long development process, much like the first Spider-Man, and they finally get Angley right off of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This is the movie Angley does between Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Brokeback Mountain, which is just wild to think about. I love him so much, and I think the story is um, James Sheamus while. Ang Lee is filming the Hulk. James Seamus goes to see Spider-Man in the theaters. Watches the audience cheer at the end where Spider-Man lands on the American flag. And he's like, oh, we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I think that's the story. (laughs) Because they're they're making the exact opposite of a movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I love it for different reasons. And, you know, the Raimi Spider-Mans, they're kind of like 
some of the ultimate crowd pleasers. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's something where it's like I love the Raimi Spider Man movies. I don't want every superhero to be the Raimi Spider Man movies. Yes, exactly. Like, I want, and I think, like maybe there's a lighter touch you can do. Like I guess the thing is, like I guess a movie like the Hulk should have a wider appeal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I guess that's the argument, right? Like a movie that's gonna cost uh, over a hundred million dollars, <laughs> uh, I guess should appeal to wide audiences. Correct? Yes. And like, I love this movie, but it, this movie doesn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess the argument is like, is there a version that can retain what I love about this movie while also having wider appeal? Is like like the only thing. But I'm not saying swing in the complete opposite direction, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, oh, make it like every other fucking superhero movie. <laughs> I kind of get the vibe that's what Danny Elfman's music is trying to do. Or so I thought initially. Yeah. I weird... think his score is really good and bizarre. Mm-hmm. Well, It's, it's kind of got, like, a buoyancy at first, and then it starts getting, like, really, like, melancholy. But is this the one where... Uh... Didn't someone else, wasn't someone else originally hired for the score? Yes. Uh, uh, originally it was um, Michael Dana, mm-hmm. who uh, would go on to work with Ang Lee again for like Life of Pi. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, they did the Ice Storm together. Yes. Uh, and I believe Brokeback Mountain? Maybe. I, I think wrong about that one. Ang Lee talked about in, in one of his interviews, he didn't say the movie, but he had a, he had a movie he worked on where... He, co- he collaborated with a composer who he had collaborated before, and he said that he knew that the guy wasn't right, but, like, because they collaborated, he wanted to do it with him, and then, like, there was he said, like, he regretted that, like, he wait. I wonder if he was talking about this when he told that story, but also, I believe the other story is that, uh, what's his name, did the score, and then the studio was like, you gotta get someone else, and Elfman comes in, listens to the score, and goes, like, Actually, I kind of like that. I'm gonna stick. Clo- I'm gonna make my score closer to that. <laughs> yeah, Michael Dana um, mm-hmm. does say that they left some of his music in the movie, and he says, "quote uh, So the Arabic singing and some of the drumming is mine. What happened is that they panicked. They brought in Danny Elfman, and he heard what I've been doing, and I guess he liked it. Yeah. So yeah, that tracks. Um, when could you like you can't couldn't get away with Arabic singing in your score? When is the last year you can get away with that? I want to say like 2008 or something. Maybe 2008. When is The Mist? Because The Mist has that at the end. 2008. So that's it. All right. Yeah, that so might be it. I think that was the last year you could get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's effective, honestly. I, I It's an effective choice, but it's also like now if you heard it, you'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but now, is it genuinely purposeful given the imagery it pops up during? Or is it just like exoticism, orientalism? It might be both, but I think this is a pretty radical film in terms of like positioning the military as full-on antagonists. Yes. Uh, the character of Talbot, who is very clearly like a, a fervent capitalist, who's like basically a rabid dog, yeah. uh, which I love a lot. <laughs> um, he just gets his life gets more miserable the moment he meets Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. and he fucking everyone knows the clip. I'll. I'll I'm not going to play it, but you know the clip when, when he dies. It's fucking terrific. Um, and I don't know. I 
Am I reading too much into it that it was like an immediate kind of uh, response to a, like uh, the fervent militarism of the uh, the American military? Um, like, I mean, well, here's the thing. Yeah, Ang Lee is a director, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not trying to. I I I don't want to like. I don't want to paint people with like a broad like broad strokes something, but I, there is something to foreign directors coming into America and making movies about America, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a take on it, and I think that that militarism, even though it I, it might just be coincidental, but I bet you he was just generally critical of American militarism. Like it wasn't like that stuff stopped in the nineties, you know? Yeah, it's just, but it it feel I, it might be a little coincidental to me. Okay, well, because in Gemini Man, which is almost 20 years after this movie, the the American military and, like, military contractors are also antagonists, again, yeah. in that film. Well, no, you know, I, I'm like, saying I think that Lee definitely has something to say about the American military-industrial complex. I'm just saying I don't think it had anything to do with how our military was behaving specifically in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he had a general problem with it. <laughs> Alright, I respect that but at I, least. I also think that if that's the case. When you bring like that kind of singing into it or like any sort of thing that kind of comes across as like chanting, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm not talking about what it actually is, I'm talking about normally like how composers use that stuff. There's kind of a more like I think there's trying to be like a more like in touch with like nature element to it. And I think there is so much about the Hulk in his relationship to landscapes in this movie. And I think that's a big part of the comic books, too. You know, like, the best sequence in this movie is, like, the Hulk leaping through the desert, right? Yeah. Which is straight from the comics. Like, um, I think I think he's playing a little bit with that. And also, I don't know if you know this, but I believe the unproduced sequel to this movie, like, that, that and by unproduced, I mean, like, they probably held a few meetings, but, like, there, it was never going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then just whatever they had on the table was eventually turned into Incredible Hulk 2008. Um, I believe some of the stuff I read that, like, leaked out of it was that the Hulk was going to end up on, like, a Native American, like, uh, reservation. And that was going to be a big part of that story of kind of, like, getting in touch with, like, the Earth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was going to be a big part of the sequel. So maybe that's that it. makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you brought up like this the character's relationship to nature, specifically in this film too. Uh, like I got a lot of, I was very moved by this film. It's a very it's a shockingly moving movie, considering there is like a battle with like mutant dogs in the middle of it. Oh yeah, what do you think about the dogs? That's just that's just fucking wild. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't know. People are like, it's so silly. And I'm like, well, no, I have some bad news look, for you about these movies. I am never going to show up and be like, that's silly. <laughs> like, that's just not me. But uh, it is a little weird in this movie that it happens. <laughs> but it is something that's like kind of like gross. Like, it's it's kind of like off-putting. And I, that's what I kind of like about it. Because um, mm-hmm. it is like fucking... Because it's like David Banner just like mutates these dogs. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's his continued cycle of abuse. Yeah, it's wild. You know, it's just yeah, he doesn't have a, his kid around, so he's got to take it out on something else. Mm-hmm. You know, and like we also mentioned, this movie's about a lot, but you know, it's fundamentally like the the narrative thrust of the film is about the the relationship these two kids, uh, Bruce Banner and Betty Ross, have to their fathers. Yeah. And, and how their fathers influenced them and unknowingly and unknowingly have guided them through life and controlled their 
or like ability to exist and that's why betty's such an interesting character in this i think anyways uh and, and the way she like maneuvers around it and like survives in spite of it and bruce banner's just kind of like he, he'd rather not confront it you know and this movie yeah. is his confrontation with that it's fucking i, I think it's fucking brilliant i know it, it's it's the exact movie to do and it's I mean, it takes, it is, I believe it's in the comics in, like, the 70s or 80s, they reveal that the Hulk, they're like, the reason why the Hulk has so, so much anger is because he was a victim of child abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, that's, this movie is just building off of that, like, majorly. And it's, yeah. it's both, it's, it's something, uh, it's a needle that gets threaded very well here, and it's like, I've seen other movies try to do it and, like, fail miserably, where it's like it's both that like his father was abusive to his wife and his son, but also that his father was like straight up experimenting on his son, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like the metaphor becomes like physical in a way. Like yeah. it's it's like you know like ha- like you know we all, it's always like we're all the product of our parents. Like we all kind of become like our parents at some point, you know. And mm-hmm. like there are part like and it's not like a destined thing. It's not like we're gonna be the like the exact disasters or exact heroes our parents were it's just it that influences us no matter what and this is a movie where like not only does that but like literally your father injected you with stuff (laughs) that is going to affect who you are and it works and it's this thing that they just will never do in comic books again which is such a shame that comics are these type of stories where you can explore something like that in a way that a child can understand it and you can kind of wrestle with something really heavy and in a way that doesn't feel exploitative, you know, that doesn't feel mm-hmm. uh, grim for grimness sake, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's a movie that's like stuck in my brain since I saw it, even though I couldn't like wrestle with everything that was happening in it at the time. And I think it mm-hmm. is important that uh, I think it's important that kids are exposed to that kind of media. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think there's a big pushback to, like, media that might, like, scar children. And I, I think it's because we talk about it in those terms where it's like, oh, man, remember that scary scene when you were a kid? That scarred me for life. And it's like, no, it didn't. But it left a fucking impression. <laughs> yeah. And I think you kids need that sometimes because it can, it can provide them with stuff that it can give them, like, a language they don't realize they need, you know? Mm-hmm. And superheroes are one of the few things that can really do that, especially not to be like gender essential, but especially for young men who like tend to have a lot of repressed rage in a lot of ways. And sometimes you don't know where that comes from. And and guys are so discouraged from talking about their emotions, you know? Yeah. And we, whereas a character like Bruce Banner in this film, when he's like this emotionally cut off, loner is like it's he's almost like a masculine ideal in a weird way you know Mm -hmm. and it's like this movie's about how that's actually a bad thing (laughs) yeah and i like that the basically the romantic drama between him and betty in this movie like is is cut like right at the outset Mm -hmm. and they kind of have to build it back up where they don't like ever like consummate anything more than that but they're the the relationship and like the love they have for each other is very real and like where they'll just have these moments where they're just like looking at each other and it's like the sense of longing and like comfort in one another where I was like holy fuck I miss like people in movies mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like yeah where they sit there like, and fucking talk yeah 
and you know, people are still doing that. I, I really mean blockbusters. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of movies that still do that, but something about the way people look at each other on film can tell you so much more than words sometimes. You know, and, and it doesn't even just have to be romance. I was thinking about uh, with fucking. I was uh, I was thinking about Spider Man Two a lot lately. Like how long it takes to actually get to Doctor Octopus showing up in that movie. And mm-hmm. there's like a you know there's the long scene where he just has dinner with Doctor Octopus and his wife. And it's just like that could be a scene in like a movie that's not about superheroes. Yeah. And it's just like it's it's actually something I think that both uh, the Spider the Raimi Spider Man and this movie get really well is like the Raimi Spider Man movies are ultimately kind of about. Peter Parker, MJ, and Harry Osborn like kind of swirling around each other, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's the drama at the core of this movie about fucking people punching, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not to make lesser of like, you know, Alfred Molina or anything like that. Like, of course, they handle that stuff well, but that's the core of it all. And it's those stories constantly like tripping over each other. This movie, I think it sets it up really well that the three characters in this movie are Bruce Banner, Betty Ross, and Thunderbolt Ross. Those are the Yeah. Three. And I think that's why, because one thing you're, we're talking about is, uh, we talk about like how you this movie has like a very negative opinion of the military-industrial complex, right? Which definitely does. But this is probably the most like sympathetic portrayal of Thunderbolt Ross I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of... Like in any medium. Yeah. Like, it's kind of wild. And you get Sam Elliott to do it. And like, Sam Elliott is like such a man's man type dude. Like, you feel like he could be the personification of like toxic masculinity in this movie. And instead, he's a guy who's like, he's like, I don't understand why I can't connect to my daughter. Like, he just can't figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is that doing in this movie? <laughs> but it's perfect. And it understands that if you're going to keep making these movies, they're they're going to keep being about those three characters, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can bring in the absorbing man or the leader and stuff like that, but it's going to be about those three characters. And you have to get them right before you can get anything else right. And that's where this movie really shines. What the fuck does the Hulk know about the American West? <laughs> Sorry. It's, I haven't listened to that full interview, but that clip was, uh, that was very silly. That was um, something. That was, that was, that was <laughs> um, But Sam Elliott is, is terrific in this, too. Mm-hmm. And yes, he does have the greatest voice in, in the history of American cinema, arguably. And he just looks like Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, like, he just, just perfect. He just has like the exact build of Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, and no disrespect to the late great William Hurt, who was also kind of terrific, fuck, obviously, and also kind of a fucked up dude. Uh, yeah, 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 just yeah. you know, he's dead, so you know, yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's gone now. So his last movie is Black Widow, I think. That's disappointing. I mean, hey. What are you gonna do? Did you fucking wasn't there some joke Brian Cox made about him recently, like at the THR roundtable? Maybe, but also like Brian Cox, it seems to be turned into the guy who's like talking shit about everyone. Yeah, which is kind of fun. It's interesting. I mean, Brian Cox is like he's like eighty, right? So he's like, I only got a few more years. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fucking. Fuck it. I'm I'm, I'm talking down to everyone. Uh, but yeah, Sam Elliott in this is, is really terrific. And talking again about how people look at each other like on film, uh, the the look of disdain he gives Bruce, like the moment he meets him, mm-hmm. in spite of the appearance he's trying to put on in front of Betty, his daughter, he cannot see past Bruce's father. Like he he's made his decision about that yeah. guy the moment he's met him. Also, and I I would argue there's a struggle at some point for Betty um, to 
try and see Bruce differently, but it's like never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Like he he's predisposed to hating this kid no matter what. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how the guys they got to play young Thunderbolt Ross and young David Banner look insanely like Sam Elliott and Nick Nolte? <laughs> yeah. How did they do that? To the point where, when I was younger, I just thought it was like, oh, they just kind of put him in makeup that made him look younger. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, those are different actors. Yeah, the the actors are Todd Tesson and Paul Kersey mm-hmm. as young Thaddeus Ross and young David Banner, respectively. Don't know those guys. I don't think. But... I think I don't think they do anything anymore. So okay, well they're fucking it's, perfect. It's just wild for those young roles. It's just kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, uh, just a couple more things I want to shout out. Uh, Josh Lucas, who you know he's great at playing an asshole. Yeah, great asshole role. Yeah, yeah. this is a terrific one. Um, it's a, I this really is love his, his uh, scene. This is dry run for the character he will eventually play in Ford v Ferrari. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is exactly who that is. Uh, and Nick Nolte as the mix of Absorbing Man and Zax is mm. just what what another fucking level yeah. of, like, misery. Because he's also, like, pathetic. Like, he's oh, openly yeah. a pathetic man. He's pathetic, but he's also like, what I did was right. Like, it's so fucking wild. Yes. Like, And he, he doesn't, he'll never understand, yeah. like, anything else. Like... You know, when, he, when his fucking son's all chained up in front of him, he's like, I just want to see my boy before I'm locked up. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, I didn't come here to see you. I came here to see my real son. Yeah. Oh, my and God. And he's just like, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Man. Like, that's, that's some heavy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, he goes fucking crazy with the electricity and somehow looks even more crazy than he did previously. I know. Which I didn't think was possible. It, it but... shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> but he does it. Um. And then you, I, I just really love the, the final moment where he's like, all right, you want my fucking power, dad? Like, fucking take it all then. And it's, like, too much for him to handle. I was like, this is this is kind of incredible. Yeah. And movie it stuff, deserves a lot more respect. Superhero movies do not build to a resolution like that anymore. No. Like, it'll never happen again. It really won't. Like I, I think it can. You know what? I think that the new Batman movie builds to like an emotional catharsis and a really. But even that, they had to blow up the seawalls and flood the whole city. Like, oh yeah, oh okay. You're talking like in terms of scale. Yeah, the the, I'm talking about like where it's literally like the two characters are like sitting down for like a good chunk of it and just staring at each other. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, Twitter pal Brandon Streisnig also loves this movie, and he mentioned that you know like only Ang Lee would consider like having the father and son confrontation the protagonist and antagonist set in what's basically a black box theater. I know it's so good it's terrific this is I don't know if it's a five star movie it's a five star it's a five star movie it's a five yeah? star yeah alright unless you're a coward like like I said like I said like the thing is the hang up for me is that like I guess a movie like this should have general appeal right Mm-hmm. Like, I guess. <laughs> and that's a big, like, I guess. But uh, other than that, it's like, I think it's a great little document of a movie. I think it gets the Hulk character really well. It It's one of these things where, like, I feel like it's so weird now where superheroes are so dominant. And it's like now it's like they're kind of becoming embarrassing again just because they're so dominant. 
And it's mm-hmm. hard for me to explain to people like why I like superheroes now. Because yeah. nothing I like about them is in the movies. <laughs> and it's not like, oh, the characters I like aren't showing up. It's like, it has nothing to do with that. And I kind of want to just be like, watch Ang Lee's Hulk. Watch the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like, those are the ones that, like, get it, you know? Mm-hmm. There's there's very few that really get it. And that's... Those... those And, like, I could, I could probably, you know count on less than two hands like the number of superhero movies i think really get like what is enjoyable about superheroes and not this and that has not, that doesn't necessarily have to do with the quality like like this might sound weird but like i don't think the dark knight like is a great reflection of what i like about batman comics you know yeah but i love that movie but it's that's it's more just a really good movie whereas this is like this is a comic book movie to me and so are the Spider-Man movies, and they're be- very different, you know? Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want it to be like, no, every movie should be like Spider-Man, or every movie should be as grim as this fucking Hulk movie. Like, it's, these are, like, kind of the different faces of it. And you gotta find, like, the right vibe to go with each character, you know? Of course. And, I mean, that's also, I think, what people need to, like, redetermine how they approach movies as a whole. Yeah. You know, like, find, find the, the specific approach for your story. It's not always going to be the same thing you saw somewhere else. You can be inspired by plenty of stuff, much like Ang Lee was for this. So Jesus Christ. Uh, and, you know, we recently had discussions about, like, aspect ratio changes in film. And mm. it's like, okay, you know what? I, I think I'm more on your side now than I was before. Mm. Because this is the traditional widescreen, right, to capture the full size of the Hulk, especially in yeah, the landscapes. Yeah. But it's still playing with the comic book panel, so you're still getting all these crazy changes I know. and shifts and... And imagery and these match cuts and oh my god the the dissolves that are like in camera the dissolves are the like stuff punctuated by CGI yeah it's just glorious the dissolves are the stuff that like really works for me like there's a couple stuff where like he pushes it and I'm like I'm not sure if I like needed that you know but I'm glad it's <laughs> yeah. there. like I'm it's one of those things where like I'm not sure if it works but I'm glad it's there I'm glad someone tried it like someone had to try it and but uh, yeah the dissolve stuff I really like in this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it is one of those where it's like it, it would be that thing where it's like, "What's your favorite Ang Lee movie?" And I might say The Hulk, and then people would like have me killed. But um, <laughs> like, it kind of is my favorite Ang Lee movie. Like, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a comic book nerd. It's just like he got something that so many of these other guys don't get. And I could, I could go on at length what that might be, but I would just tell you to watch the movie because um, it's worth it. Yeah, go go watch Angley's Hulk again. Oh, if you listen a to frog this and explodes we were... in this. If that makes you upset. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, we forgot to talk about the best thing about this movie, though. Uh, I I don't know what else we missed. Well, it's early CGI era. Um, it is a year after the Two Towers has dropped. Oh my god! Which was uh, a big push forward in motion capture. Allegedly, oh my god! <laughs> well, I was like, "Wait, Tower, what the fuck?" They did. Do- oh, you thought I was going to do a nine eleven thing? <laughs> yeah, I was oh, like, no. "Wait." You know who didn't want to see us angry? Al Qaeda. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You know what? That's the movie people wanted in 2003. That's the sad thing. 
I think it's, so. Like, that's the yeah. movie people would have wanted to see. Like, people are like, actually, anger is good. That's the problem. That's what their culture was in 2003. I that... would argue it's now that more than ever. No, I, it definitely shifted away for a few years. It for, Briefly, it shifted, and now we're back to that. But um, <laughs> this was definitely, like, a big, like, violence is good, actually. Yeah. Um, and Ang Lee was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But what I was going to say is they had to do some motion capture for uh, the Hulk. And the guy they got to do it <laughs> was Ang Lee. <laughs> yeah! And you can find a video of fucking Ang Lee <laughs> just wilding out as the Hulk. And it's well because Ang Lee in like every interview is like is like a really quiet and reserved guy. Like he seems like a calm and chill dude, and he's like on set being like, "Okay, you ready to go with this?" And then it's like, like it's like, "Okay," and action! <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrific. I don't and, know if I'm gonna make it the intro or the outro, but it's going somewhere. It's gotta go somewhere. But I gotta say something. Watching his movements and watching how the Hulk moves in this, it feels like even though the CGI has gotten a lot better. It feels like they're still using these movements as a template for the Hulk. Maybe he just got it right on the first go and everyone else was like, you know what? Well, I think it's part of that, but what I'm saying is that means Ang Lee is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes! That he defined how the Hulk moves in the way that that Raimi defined how Spider-Man swings. I think Ang Lee defined how the Hulk moves, how he's supposed to move. And I think that's, that's kind of beautiful. That is well, because that's 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 such a hard thing to really get, and I'm I'm glad it's that someone got it. And yeah, this is a great movie. It's um, a great movie. Roger Ebert gave it three stars. Oh, there you go, Raj. I was kind yeah. of I was kind of expecting Roger to give it a negative review. No, no, he said whether Hulk will appeal to its primary audience, teenage science fiction fans, <laughs> is hard to say. No doubt it will set the usual box office record. Oh, well, he weekend. was wrong on that one. <laughs> Sorry, Roger. Yeah, but will it reach audiences who will respond to its dramatic ambition? Ang Lee has boldly taken the broad outlines of a comic book story and transformed them to his own purposes. This is a comic book movie for people who wouldn't be caught dead at a comic book movie. Yeah, I kind of agree, kind of disagree there. Yeah, it's, it's not, not 100% correct. But I think he hit on something where it's like, I I don't know, it's, it's unfortunately I think he's like got the opposite of, of it, but whatever, that's, mm. but he, but he's right with what Ang Lee was going for. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm glad Ang Lee went for it. I think Roger Ebert gets the first Spider-Man a negative review. Yes, he gave yeah. it a thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never yeah. forget that because I was that. That's when I was watching it, like on Sundays at the mm. movies and shit. And I was like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about? This is the greatest movie ever." Mm. And I still think that. So fuck off, Roger Ebert. Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment Weekly stated, "A big budget comic book adaptation has rarely felt so humorless and intellectually defensive about its own pulpy roots," which is just wrong. Yeah, um, Lisa Schwartzbaum, I should say. More. Uh, gave is the person who gave uh, Burn After Reading a negative review, which is why I canceled my subscription to Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> which is a real thing I did. That's pretty great. That's what you. That's what they deserve for that. Yeah. 
Hey. Everyone, Anyways. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, just like we are when we talk and, about this. If you didn't like this movie, don't let us know. Uh, two years later, Ang Lee makes Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> yeah, so just think about that. I mean, or don't. I don't. I'm not your boss. I don't know. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining me. Yes. Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you could find me within the walls of your household <laughs> if you don't like this movie. Judging. Everyone else Plotting. can find me on... <laughs> Plotting. <laughs> and everyone else can find me on Twitter.com. At the Diego Crespo and uh, at the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get uh, early access to the next episode of this, which I have to decide right now. Hey, oh yeah! Oh, in. before you decide, I have to. I have to give a special, a special message to one of our listeners. Yes, Ethan, leave me the fuck alone! I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> That's for you. Does he want to watch, like, Lupin or something no, like that? No, he, he, he sent me something. And oh. he's like, your package arrived. And I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking get to it. <laughs> and he's been like, what's taking you? <laughs> like, I'm recording a fucking podcast. Trying to cut a fucking spot, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm plugging in the numbers. Randomizing the order. Next up, we are talking about... The Hudsucker Proxy. The Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Woo! Hey, it's a good shift. We're going right back to Raimi in a way. I know. Um, I, there was a recent uh, Patrick Willems video about it. Yeah. I will uh, not refer to any of it. He because... took, well, we're going to have to a little bit. He took the fucking wins out of our sales a little bit. I know. But, uh... I know. I kind of want to scramble the numbers again. <laughs> but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's a, a good video. I doubt there's major overlap between the, yeah. the, the three Waffle Press listeners. Yes. No, no, I'm sure one of them also watches Patrick Willems. Yeah, baby. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like this episode, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. feel it, buried somewhere deep inside, watching me, waiting. But you know what scares me the most? When I can't fight it anymore, when it takes over, when I totally lose control. <laughs>